This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's episode is a bonus. It is the audio version of a webinar that Matt Halpern from Periphery and I did a couple years ago when we were promoting a marketing course that we were doing at the time. The course is no longer available, so if you hear us talk about that, then you know just ignore that part, I guess. But the reason I wanted to share this is because I believe that there is nothing that can change your life in a faster, more powerful way than networking. You know, you've heard people say that it's not what you know, it's who you know. I I don't know that I 100% agree with that, but I definitely know from personal experience that who you know makes all the difference. I think, you know, what you know definitely matters too, but being able to connect with the right people who can kind of help you turn what you know into an opportunity will change your life faster than anything. And that is what we talk about in this episode, a very specific, detailed, concrete plan for you to go out there and build your network and get to know people that can help you achieve things and help you get your foot in the, to the and help you get your foot in the door if you are feeling stuck all without being a douchebag, without being that person who's in the back of the room handing out business cards and annoying everybody by being salesy and all that stuff. So hopefully you like this episode as much as I do. Before we get into that, a couple things that you can do to help the show if you would like to. Number one, share it on social media. That really helps a lot. Number two, you can pick up some merch if you want. I added coffee cups. I've got a cool new deathcore kind of design that I think is pretty awesome. There's a link to that in the show notes. And number three, if you really, really like us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes as well. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome to our second live webinar. This one is about networking and sales, specifically creator, introvert-friendly ways to excel at networking and sales without feeling gross and douchey. So we're going to talk about that for about 15 or 20 minutes, and then we're going to take some Q&A at the end of this. So if you got a question, drop it in the comments on the Facebook Live video, and we'll, uh, we'll get to it after our little section on networking here. So networking. This is a thing that we don't often talk about in our world, or when it is talked about, it's discussed in a way that kind of implies that it's douchey or slimy or that there's something wrong with 
the idea of networking, and definitely sales. You know, the idea of being a salesperson or doing sales is definitely a, a thing that you know comes with a lot of negative connotations. Um, and I think there's a couple reasons for this. First of all, is because so much stuff happens online in our world. And so we think that we don't have to network because we think we can do everything on social media. I think that's incorrect. I believe that there's no substitute for getting in touch with people in real life. Uh, and then the second thing that I, I think is wrong is the idea that this stuff is douchey or slimy. It's not, and Matt is going to get into more detail on that. And in addition to those incorrect beliefs about it, what you need to understand is that networking, like in and and I suppose sales, but really networking, which is just making connections with other humans, there's literally no better way, no more powerful way to quickly and dramatically change the course of your career and your life. So if you're feeling stuck or you're wondering why you aren't getting the kind of traction that you want, like 90% of the time, a huge part of that is because you're not getting out there, you're not networking, you're not making connections with other humans. That it's just, it's magical. Like it, there's no other way of knocking down those barriers of like just injecting. It's like steroids for just life. Um, and you don't have to be a natural at it to be to take advantage of this. Like I wouldn't say I'm a natural at it. Like I'm not bad at it. I've been successful at it, but I'm not a natural at it like Matt is. And yet I'm still able to be successful at it. And you know, I've actually even learned to enjoy it. Like I like getting out there and meeting people. I'm an introvert, so it's tiring to me. Like after a couple hours of talking to people, I'm definitely ready to like retreat to my cave, but I, I enjoy it while I'm doing it. And the point here is that you don't have to be a natural in order to take advantage of the power of networking. It's a skill that you can learn just like any other skill, you know, just the same as you can learn how to jump rope or how to, you know, do woodworking or whatever, like networking and sales is a skill just like that. You know, maybe some of us have more talent than others, but anybody can learn it. And I'm proof of that. Matt uh, has a great framework for it, uh, and he's going to tell you specifically how to develop your networking skills, like you know, in a step-by-step -step framework that I think is going to be uh, especially helpful for other people like me. And then, lastly, the thing is that like we've all got to sell sometimes. Like even if we don't think of ourselves as quote-unquote salespeople, there are all there's always times in which we have to sell other people on our vision. So that's kind of how we're thinking about networking and sales. Uh, first, to knock down some of those incorrect ideas, and then second, to tell you how powerful it is. And then I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Uh, who can get in a little bit more detail on this stuff. Yeah, cool. Thank you, Finn. I know a lot of people struggle with this. Uh, a lot of creative people struggle with this. Finn and I are just really trying to boil this down into the most simple steps that you guys can follow so that you can start practicing this and then hopefully get better at it out of the necessity that's required for you to market yourself or your product as a creative. Uh, and as Finn said, we all do have to sell sometimes. Um, so here's some things that will help you as we go through. So before we dig into it, uh, if you joined us for our last webinar, one of the uh, key points that we made uh, as you know, directed towards creators or creatives that are offering a service or a product, um, something that's very important is, is good work plus, and here's the key, a good network equals an awesome career. So let's talk about that network. Let's talk about selling and sales and how you should look at it um, so that you don't think of it as something that is sleazy, slimy, gross, douchey, whatever adjective that you want to throw in there. So 
In my opinion, networking and selling is all about building relationships for the long term. It's about building trust with people that you can work with, uh, people that are in your network, so that you can have a, a long career and always have human resources sort of just, you know, right at your fingertips when you need them. Um, and, you know, just with that in mind, uh, something that I think is important to mention right off the bat is that, you know, selling or uh, building a network doesn't always have to be part of a financial transaction. It doesn't always have to be money going from one hand to the other hand. Um, you know, you a lot of times want to be able to sell yourself as a reputable person or a reputable creative or a reputable service provider or having a reputable product so that uh, as you make friends and opportunities arise for them to potentially be a middleman for you or to make a connection for you, um, they can pass along that, hey, you know, Finn is really, really good at what he does. And, um, you know, he's been in my network for a long time and he's, he's, you know, he's very, very reputable. I'm going to pass him along. So, you know, selling yourself doesn't necessarily have to be part of a financial transaction, especially not right up front. It, it should be a long-term game that you play. But another way to look at the word selling is to really frame it from this idea of persuasion, because you want to get people that matter to you and to your audience that are part of your network to believe in what you do and to, to believe in the story that you're telling so that they know that what you're saying is true, it's factual, and that you can back it up with your work and with your reputation. So if you do hate the words like sales, selling, um, you know, even, even persuasion, um, look at it as making friends because that is really where a network I think, uh, can, can have a very strong foundation. When you look at it from a long-term perspective, having a network of people that support each other, that are friends with each other, um, are always hopefully going to be willing to lend a hand and help one another. Just a couple examples of, how you might need to sell in a way that isn't financial. So sometimes you're asking someone, you know, write me a check for this, but there's lots of times where you aren't. For example, let's say you want a guest on your podcast. You got to sell them on that. Like you got to, you yeah. got to convince this person that it's worth taking the time out of their day to be on the podcast. Uh, or if you want yeah. an introduction from somebody, you know, same deal. You've got to sell them on the fact that you are worth introducing. It's, it's funny you mentioned the podcast thing because there's uh, the, the, the guest that, that we're having on the next episode of my podcast with someone who I met a long time ago. Um, you know, we're over 40 episodes in now on my podcast. And when I first met this person, I was like, hey, man, want to be on my podcast? And he was like, ah, I don't know. It seems like you're just starting off. Um, but the fact that we've now gone 40 episodes, we've established an audience, I've kept in touch with him. This person is a chef. I, I've been to his restaurant. I've had a lot of good meals that he made for me. We've had a lot of great conversations. We've built a friendship. I've built my credibility. And I went to him today and said, hey, want to be on the podcast this week? He was like, yes, I'm totally ready. Now is the time. So it was a long game play. And I, as Finn said, I had to sell myself and sell my product over time to him uh, completely without any financial exchange to really get him to say yes. And, you know, 
if you look at me and Finn as well, um, when we first met each other, you know, we kind of had to feel each other out. Is this guy legit? Is he going to be on time? Is he, um, you know, going to going to do all the things that he said? And over time, the both of us have learned to trust one another, and we've sold ourselves and our abilities uh, well enough to each other, so that now if Finn comes to me and says, "Hey, uh, I know you know person A, can you introduce me to them?" I have no problem making that connection because I know that Finn's reputation is impeccable, and he's going to do right by me and vice versa. So that's a, another great example, as Finn was talking about, of selling without it being a financial exchange. So hopefully that makes sense to you guys out there. Um, now, there's a couple things that, that it's very clear to, to point out that selling is not, okay? So this is not selling. If you're ever trying to build a relationship with anybody, if you're ever trying to network, don't lie about what you do. Don't puff yourself up into something that you're not. Lying, bullshitting, tricking people, or otherwise manipulating people is just going to be a very quick nail in the coffin for you, your career, your business, whatever. Be honest, be yourself. Even if you don't know the answers right away, don't try to bullshit people. They will see right through that. So just don't ever do this. And I've seen people do this, and I've seen it blow up in their face, if not instantly. It always blows up in their face right at the worst time where – Someone has really built this whole image of themselves and they've really, really tried to make this deal happen or they've tried to get something going. And rightfully so, when the other people on the other end do their research, they do their diligence and they find out that this shit is not legit, it's going to blow up in your face. So not only is it just wrong to do that, but it's not going to work out for you and for what your intentions are, even if they are good in the long run. So the best thing to do is to just be yourself. Every cliche you've heard about how, you know, this or that is a small world, it, those are all true. Like any field you can think of, it's a small world. And if you're cool, word will get around fast. And if you're not cool, word will get, also get around fast. Yeah, we hear it every day. I mean, you, you and I hear about different things like this every day. The people that are good, everybody has the same opinions of them because it's legitimate and there's, there's no argument. Um, the people who have bullshitted their way through things – you know, that that kind of stuff rises to the top, too, and it's very easy to see. Um, and along with this, another kind of sort of uh, personality trait um, or even tactic that you may want to avoid uh, is, you know, don't be that guy or that girl who is just constantly trying to push your shit and sell your shit to anyone and everyone. Um, it, it's so obvious and transparent when people do that. And even though you may have a great product, not everybody is ready at the time that you're ready to hear your pitch or to be sold. Um, so it's it's really important to just be tactful. Just be yourself. Uh, be kind. Be courteous. You know, Try to be self-aware of, of your surroundings. And we'll talk about the specific settings and instances where these kinds of behaviors are very, very important coming up as we talk through this. Um, so there are Unless, Finn, unless you want to chime in here, maybe we should get into those specific steps, which are really the three steps to networking and sales success as far as the punk rock MBA goes. Yeah, so if you, like me, are not necessarily a natural at this, I think it will be helpful to have like a step-by-step -step framework for how to network and how to sell. 
And so there's really just, it's three steps. It's very simple because, you know, I like three to five bullet points for anything, and this is no exception. Step one, you got to meet people. Step two, build relationships with them. And step three, which is optional, is to make your pitch. So you're not always going to pitch someone on something, uh, but those are the steps. That's it. Meet them, build relationships, and then pitch them if and when the time is right. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of people may uh, may look at this idea of meeting people and making friends as sort of a means to an end or a way to have some sort of financial game in the long run. And, you know, those kinds of things can happen. And, and positively, you know, Finn and I, again, as a great example, met initially, we became friends, and then now we work together, and there is financial gain, and there is uh, creative and, and educational gain between us, but that's not a bad thing. So when you look at these steps of, of meeting people and then building relationships with them and potentially making your pitch or working with them, don't think of this process as like a tricky or a sneaky way to get there. This is something that is actually really, really helpful and for me has been sort of the building blocks for some of the best relationships that I've been able to build for business. Um, so I just thought it was really important to, to say that just so you guys know that this is not just telling you guys to follow these steps and all of a sudden you'll be successful and the relationships won't really matter because the relationships do matter. Um, so very simply, you have to get out there and you have to meet people. You have to put yourself in the place where the people who can give you your opportunities are going to be. You have to do this in real life. Online is good. As we are right now, we're online. We're doing this course. Online is great. But I don't think that getting online and trying to network is better than getting out there and networking in real life. Now, as a quick caveat, it is important to mention that you know you don't always have the cart before the horse or the horse before the horse before the cart in this sense. Sometimes we meet people online, like me and Finn. We met online, then we met in real life. And it sort of completed the circle and it made the relationship much better. Um, there's other times when you'll meet people in real life and then it's really, really important to then go back and follow up with them online. So don't look at this as black or white. You have to meet in person or you have to meet online. I think those two things coincide, but the point that we're trying to make here for people that typically will stay online and stay behind their phone or their computer is that you have to get out there and you have to meet people in real life if you want to have a real chance at success for your service or your product. It's just so important to put yourself out there. And there's a lot of opportunities to get out there. So for your industry, for your product, whatever that may be, there are tons of trade shows that I'm sure that you already may know about or that you can research where it's just a great hub to meet people. Uh, there are local parties that you can go to. And whether that's like parties at people's houses or parties at different hotels or different conventions or bars or other kinds of meetups, um, all of these places are, are great places for you to sort of inject yourself to meet people that are like you in your industry, network amongst them, and build these relationships. So, Finn, I know you, you know, as you mentioned, have really practiced getting out there, and I know that there's, that there's some specific resources that you've been able to take advantage of uh, that have been really beneficial for you. Do you want to mention a couple of those for people that maybe they can take some notes and, and jot down? Sure. So I guess the, the point, I'm going to mention those specifically, but before I do that, I want to address a thing that I hear a lot, which is people say, oh, there's nobody like me. You know, it's hard for me to meet people. And, you know, honestly, that's a bullshit excuse because there are people like you 
anywhere and everywhere. Like maybe maybe there may not be a thousand of them. Maybe it's only ten of them or a hundred of them. But there's people out there, and it's on you to go find them. And and you'll be happy that you did. So a couple specific places you can do that. Meetup.com is great. Like go to Meetup uh, in your area and search for whatever you're interested in. Like you know design or tech or art, whatever it is, like there's a shocking amount of organizations on Meetup. And a lot of them have like, I don't know, I found one in Seattle the other day that it's like a creative freelancers meetup or something that has like 2000 people in it. Like that's a lot of people. Imagine, you know, imagine if you had relationships with even 10% of those people, imagine how many opportunities that could unlock. So whatever your city is, go look on meetup.com. There's something within a 30-minute drive of you. I guarantee it. You'll probably be shocked at how many things there are. Uh, another organization that's good is called YP, Young Professionals. This one's a little bit more, like, you know, businessy, but these are cool people, like, uh, and this is sort of a tangent, but I think another important thing to keep in mind here when you're meeting people is don't go into these things thinking that only a certain type of person is – uh, is the kind of person you want to meet. So like, you know, you go to YP and these are not going to be like music people, you know, it's going to be people that, you know, maybe, you know, were business majors in college or something like that, uh, that might, you know, work in finance or something like that. And it's easy to think that those people like, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to meet those people. That's, those aren't my people. Have an open mind. You'll be surprised. A lot of these people are way cooler than you think, you know, and they need to do the same to you. Another one is there's an organization called AIGA, which is the American Institute of Graphic Artists, I think. It's basically like a graphic design organization. Uh, they've got chapters in pretty much every city in the country. Definitely worth checking out, even if you're not a graphic designer, because, you know, just lots of basically cool, creative people you'll find there, uh, especially people don't like the agency world. So if that's something you're interested in, AIGA is a great way to meet those people. Um, there's other ones like IDSA and, you know, whatever. Lots of these different, like, professional organizations for creativity. Uh, we Work Happy Hours are another really good one. So we work, I think, is in most of the major cities now. Uh, and once a week at every office, they'll have a happy hour where you get some free food and some free beer uh, for an hour or two, and you can hang out and meet everybody. And there's hundreds of people that are e at each one of these WeWork offices, and they're cool people. They're like hustlers that are running like their own small thing. These are definitely the kind of people you want to connect with. So all of that is to say, you know, that's just five or six places I named. There's even more than that. All that is to say, these people are out there. There's no shortage of cool people to meet. And then when you go there, here's, and I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying this to you guys, you have to actually talk to people, right? <laughs> like I know that this is a stupid thing I've done many times is I'll go to one of these events, but I just don't, I don't talk to anybody. What? I just paid $20 to get into this thing and park and I'm not talking to anybody. How stupid is that? So don't be a wallflower. Like go put yourself out there, break the ice with people, talk to them. That's what everybody is here for. They're not going to, you know, what's the worst that could happen? They're not going to tell you to fuck off. They're here to meet people. So go out there, shake your hand, just say, Hey, what's going on? I'm Finn. Nice to meet you. What brings you here? And then that's all you need to do. So yep. that's step one, meet people. Yep. Yep. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that's simple enough for you guys to understand. And then look, w once you do meet people, uh, and let's say you've identified a couple really, really, uh, great places to go or, uh, specific events that happen, whether it's monthly, weekly, as Finn mentioned, you know, like we work offices, uh, you know, do, do happy hours all the time. You really want to build relationships with these people. And that is step two in our, in our process here, which is building relationships. So 
to build a relationship, you can't just go and meet somebody once and then hope that that's going to solidify everything. You really have to show up consistently. So don't go to, to just the first event. Be at every one for weeks, months, maybe even years. Get involved and figure out how you can go to these events with the intention of not only just meeting people, but figuring out how you can get involved in what they're doing, how you can help other people. One of the things that I absolutely love doing myself is I love to try my best to be a good middleman, to connect people and put people together for you know the greater good. That's something that is so paramount to good networking. If I can put Finn in touch with another friend of mine who does the kind of work that Finn's looking to acquire, uh, you know, as a service, and I can vouch for both of them. That's such a great place for me to be in because one, I feel really happy about making that connection, and then two, I know that you know they're going to remember that I made that connection, so that when I go to one of them and say, "Hey, man, you know, uh, can you maybe connect me for this reason?" You know, this person over here may have a great connection for me. Finn might be able to be the middleman at that point. So it's just sort of an endless cycle of really, really good, reputable people being able to to, to connect one another. And again, always go into this with this idea of willing, be, being willing to help others. That's the best way to help yourself is by helping other people. Um, and you know, Finn brought up a great point when we were talking through this. A lot of these events start very small. Uh, or they're run by maybe like one or two people. And a lot of the attendees just kind of show up. They have some drinks, they eat the food, they do the networking bit, and then they leave. But the people who had to be there to set the event up are still there to break the event down. And that's an amazing place for you to offer your help. So try to find the people at each different networking event or at each different party that are running the show and go to them and make sure you introduce yourself to those people. And you don't have to pitch them. You don't have to sell them. A great way to build a relationship that's long-term with them is to simply say, hey, I, you know, how often are you doing this? Oh, it's weekly. Oh, it's monthly. Well, I would love to get involved with helping you physically set this up. So please let me know what time I can be here early to get this thing you know, set up faster. Please let me know what I can bring or what I can offer, whether that's providing bottles of water or whether that's providing food or you know, checking people in at the door or passing out name tags, whatever it is. I can think of a, a ton of things that you could offer the people that are putting on these events to not only build a better relationship with them, but to really get involved more so from the ground up so that you actually could potentially even become an, an authority at these events, which makes it way easier to meet people because if the people that are coming know that you are a part of it, they're likely going to want to make a point to meet you, to thank you for putting on the event, and that gives you a great way to have the ice broken for you so that you don't have to, you know, be like me or Finn have been at certain points where we're the wallflower. Maybe we're holding back. We don't want to meet people by getting involved with the event itself from the jump. It actually will give you more of an edge to make better relationships and build your network even stronger. Does that, does that make sense to you, Finn? Yeah. And, and think about, think about what position this puts you in as far as networking. So not only does it say, to the you know to the organizers of the event and to the community like this guy's this guy's down to help he'll like you know clean up the dirty chips off the floor stuff like that but if you're showing up two hours early 
you're going to be hanging out with the organizers of the event, getting a lot of face time with them. They're going to know exactly who you are, what you do. There's going to be times you're making small talk. And people who organize these kind of events tend to be very well-connected people. These are great people to know. And they're going to have a really strong, positive impression of you because you're the guy that showed up early to help a guy or girl who showed up early to help them stack the chairs. Um, and then you'll probably also, if they have like a speaker or a guest or sponsor or something like that, you're probably going to get a chance to hang out with that person in a way more like private, you know, small group than everyone else. So, you know, how you go to these events and like immediately after someone finishes talking, everybody mobs them. You know, there's a line of 20 people there, you know, that want to talk to them. And so they just kind of like, oh, hey, great to meet you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, it's like they're like rushing to get through the line. Well, you will get a chance to talk to that person in a way cooler setting because you were there setting up while everyone's just, you know, getting ready for the thing. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of ways in which uh, volunteering to help set up uh, and participate in these events can help you out. For sure. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. 
and Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so now let's get on to part number three, step three, which is actually making your pitch. And this is assuming that, you know, you've put yourself out there and you've started to meet people. This is assuming that you've now started to build relationships and that you've sort of identified how you can really work with the different people that you're now putting into your network. Some people, again, are just going to be great friends to have for the future and you may never even work together, but just a great resource and, 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 a, and a great relationship to have. Some people are going to be direct targets for what you are trying to do with your service or your product. And if you've managed to really build a strong foundation with them, eventually you really are going to have to make your pitch and you have to just get out there and ask for what you want. Now, this can be a very, very scary thing to do, but it's the only way that you're going to get it. So don't be afraid to ask. And uh, it's funny, uh, Steve Rennie, who was the manager of Incubus, I'm not sure if he still works with those guys or not, but I know, Finn, you've had a lot of conversations with him, and he has, like, what's his biggest saying? You don't ask, you don't get. Exactly. And I've seen this in so many different facets of my life lately, asking for different things, um, not being afraid to put myself out there. So you really do have to ask, but there is an appropriate way to ask about making your pitch. So what I would caution you not to do is just say, you know, at one of these like meetings or one of these uh, events is to just say, hey, now I'm gonna pitch you and blah, 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 have diarrhea of the mouth. Don't do that. Those settings are not ideal for making the pitch. What I would do is make sure you don't surprise them with it. Have a conversation at that event that says, hey, listen, like, you know, I really would love to talk to you more about what I'm doing. I would love to actually set up a pitch meeting. And whether you frame it from the standpoint of, I think I have a product or service that could help you, or simply by saying, listen, I really, really, really love what you do. I really look up to you. And I would love it if you could give me some pointers on my pitch or take a look at what I'm doing. Any insight would help. Either way is a great way to frame it so that you can get in the room with the person that you want to pitch. And then from there, make sure that when you do your pitch, that you do it in person. If you can't do it in person, then do it over the phone. But definitely don't do the pitch over email. And don't set up any of these pitches uh, you know, over email unless you absolutely have to. I wouldn't even set up a pitch over the phone unless you have to. In person is always the best way to go about making these pitches happen. Uh, because you can really show people your excitement. They can see how passionate you are. Um, they can read your body language. And if you truly are representing yourself in an authentic way, that's going to shine through and that's going to get them excited too. And that's the key to a pitch. Get people excited because you are genuinely excited about what you're doing. That's the key. Once you get to a point where they're, you know, they're listening to you and they're considering letting you do the pitch, push for a, a solid yes or a solid no. Maybe is a terrible place to be. It's an annoying limbo that you don't want to be in. So really push for a yes or no. Um, if you get the yes, great. 
Make sure you follow up with them. Make sure you set up the meeting. We'll talk about that next. I have a couple just key points to think about to make sure that that meeting goes well. Um, but if they give you a no, you know, every now and then there's a chance to sort of sway them further about it or maybe ask questions as to why it's a no. And I would always encourage you to do that. Figure out what they what they don't really or, or what they're what what they are or what they're not interested in in that regard. But try not to get a maybe because a maybe leaves you again just sort of waiting in the wings and hoping that you can, you know, maybe close a deal or pitch this person. And it just, it, it makes it very uncomfortable. So I would advise you um, not to get to that point, uh, if that makes sense. Finn, is there anything else that you wanted to add there before we move on to the big follow-up of the pitch? I guess just, although it's important not to blindside people with your pitch, uh, you should be prepared for them to blindside you with an ask for your pitch, because there are some people who will just get right to the point and they'll go, okay, cool, well, give me your pitch. Yeah, and you'll have you to know, do it are, right there on the spot. You'll yeah, there to, are people who will do right. that, so you should be ready with you know, a short version of it if you run into one of those people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it, it's funny, that actually happens more often than not where you have to give them what's called an elevator pitch, um, which is you know, typically a 10 to 20 second uh, couple sentence description of what it is you're doing, what it is you're offering. And if you can nail that and then answer a couple questions, um, you're much more likely to get a chance to actually get into a real meeting where you can sit down, whether it's in an office, whether it's you know, over a meal or coffee or a drink, um, and, and give them the full on pitch. But if you know what you're talking about and, and you can show that, that you're an expert at what you do, um, then that's it's going to be a, a really um, a really big foot in the door. So as Finn said, know your shit even before the pitch is set up because they may just try to test you right there on the spot. Um, okay, so now let's say that you have gotten them to say yes and you've either already done your pitch or you're scheduling a meeting to set up your pitch and you, know, you set a date, let's say, oh, it's going to be next Friday at 3 o'clock at this location. Okay, well, what if they don't get back to you when they said they would about confirming that? Or let's say you've already done your pitch and they said, yeah, I'll follow up with you next week and they don't get back to you then. Well, what do you do? Well, honestly, this happens all the time because people are busy. They have their jobs. They have their families. They have their lives. A lot of things happen and, um, you know, it, it's it's – a pretty standard occurrence, even for me and Finn in the business, uh, you know, day-to-day -day business for us, that we have to follow up with people. We have to be able to pivot. We have to change dates around. We have to be flexible, and that's and, the key here. And oftentimes, uh, so there's there's a fear that by following up you're being annoying, and maybe sometimes that's true, but a lot of times you're actually helping them. Like they, when people don't respond when they said they would, probably ninety percent of the time it's because they forgot because they're busy and they have other shit going on, they will appreciate right. it if you follow up with them. Yes. So, so don't yep. don't assume that you're annoying them. You, you should assume you're helping them because that's probably what's going on. Absolutely. So a good way to get, get ahead of the game there is, whether it's for setting up the pitch or even at the end of the pitch, blatantly ask that person, say, okay, I really want to make sure that we stay in touch about this. I'm very, very, uh, you know, on top of following up. So when is a good time for me to reach out to you? Would it be the end of this week? Is next week better? And let them know that you're going to put it on your calendar and you're going to set a reminder and that when, then when that reminder comes in that you are going to follow up with them. So, you know, this is something I do all the time. When I send out an email to someone that is a follow-up email, I always 
really do set a calendar reminder for myself. And I say that very clearly in the follow-up. I say, hey, Finn, uh, I just got a reminder come in on my calendar to follow up with you. I realize that I haven't heard back from you. I really enjoyed the pitch last week. I hope you did too. Please let me know when we can have our follow-up. And again, you're setting these expectations uh, for them by letting them know that you're going to follow up, by letting them know it's going to be on their calendar. They can expect to hear from you. Um, and, you know, you can go from there. A lot of people may think, well, let's say they don't respond even from that. Well, how much is too much? What if they aren't replying when they said they would? Or what if they don't reply at all? I think that it's important even in that follow-up email to set another expectation and say at the very end of it, I understand life gets busy, so if you can't get back to me now, no worries. I'm going to set another calendar reminder for myself the following week at the same time, same day, and I'll follow up with you then. Most of the time, people do get back to you. It might not be right away. It might not be even within 24 or 48 hours, but they will get back to you. But if they don't, which is something you can't control, at least you can manage their expectations and let them know when they can expect to hear from you. So again, just some phrases that you can adopt for your own uh, experience. Uh, something like, if you don't get back to me by day X, I'm going to put a reminder on my calendar to call you or email you on that day. And I just want to let you know so you can expect to hear from me. And then once you do get the reminder, literally put in that email or in the text follow-up or on the phone call, say, hey, I just got a reminder to follow up with you, so here I am. Don't be shy about that. As Finn said, it's not annoying. A lot of times it helps people get their head back in the game for whatever it is that you pitch them. Um, and most of the time they're excited about it and, and they're glad that you're being punctual and that you're staying on top of it. Those are good qualities to have. And by showing them that, you're showing them that you might even be someone that they want to work with because you are so diligent and so on top of your shit. So those are just some, some really important things to think about um, when it comes to follow-up. Now, uh, Finn, do you want to just touch on kind of the last uh, bit of details here where we get into the importance of verbal communication being, uh, being really important since I already put out a video that kind of talks about the importance of picking up the phone when you need to? Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just, you know, I, if you saw this, basically it's just Matt begging you not to be afraid of the phone. And it seems obvious, but I've seen this a lot, especially with like younger people. You know, I don't love talking on the phone either, but man, it is magical. Like if you're feeling like the pitch, the negotiation, whatever it is, is not moving forward the way that you want it to, or or even worse, if you sense that people are getting frustrated at the amount of emails going back and forth, pick up the phone and call them. Just, you know, pick up the phone and go, hey, what's going on? Listen, I just figured it'd be quicker to talk this through than go back and forth and email. And 100% of the time, they'll go, oh, yeah, thank you for calling. Yeah, okay, so here's what's going on. Probably in five minutes, you can resolve this thing that you just spent hours going back and forth on, on email. It, it's that easy. Just pick up the phone. It, it, it can do more yeah. than Facebook and text. It also gets rid of the perception of someone's mood or tone. You know, when you get on the phone, you can hear whether the person's excited. You can hear whether they're having a rough day or they're tired. But it takes out the 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 guessing aspect of that. You know, it's like, so easy to read tone into email that's not there. You, you read the email and you're like, oh shit, he's angry. You know, when he probably isn't angry, and and that sort of stuff just isn't there on the phone. So that's why it's so important. Now the next one is, and and Finn and I highlight this one with big bold marker. Uh, because we've both been victims of this from other people, is please, by for the love of God, 
don't be a goddamn flake. If you make an appointment, if you set a pitch, if you say you're going to call someone at a specific time, if you're planning on following up with somebody over email and they're expecting to hear from you, do it on time. Be punctual. Both Finn and I have set meetings with people and have had people bail on us at the very, very last minute. And I can't tell you how disrespectful that is of my time, of Finn's time. It basically says to us that you don't give a shit about us, that you don't value yourself at all, and we're never going to work with you because I think you know great work is an important thing. Being good at what you do is important, but if you're flake and you can't follow through – then it doesn't matter how good you are. No one is going to want to deal with the time suck and the energy and the guessing that it's going to take to see whether or not you're going to show up um, to do your job. So I, I know someone who is one of the most talented artists I have ever worked with. He's responsible for all the art behind a very popular clothing brand that you guys all know about. And I always wondered, man, why isn't he – this is weird. Like, why isn't he more successful? And then I worked with him on a project, and he is the biggest fucking flake in the world. It's impossible to get him to do anything, and it was instantly clear to me why he is not more successful. Yeah, and look, it's so easy. Like, things do come up. So if I had a meeting with Finn on Friday, and I know that on Thursday morning that, oh, shit, there's this thing that came up. I can't meet him. All I have to do is send an email, send a text, or call him and say, Finn, dude, I'm so sorry, but this came up. I wanted to give you as much notice as possible. I just found out. Can we reschedule? And you know what? That's not flaky. That's real life. Shit happens. And Finn is going to say, man, thanks for letting me know in enough time in advance. Now I can do something with that time I had allotted for our meeting, and, um, and that's great. But if you – reach out to Finn 30 minutes before you're supposed to meet up with them. Uh, and you're like, Oh, I can't be there because my dog chewed the tires on my car. And, um, you know, I, 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 I got arrested for jaywalking last minute. I like, come on, I, I, maybe you'll get arrested for jaywalking, but I seriously doubt that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> so don't do it. Guys, don't be a yeah, flake. For, yeah. Yeah. Just don't be a flake. That's the bottom line. Now here's the other thing. Not everyone is going to say yes to your pitch and that's okay. So don't force it. You know, you have to learn how to take a no gracefully. Uh, a great example of this um, is when I watch Shark Tank. I watch Shark Tank and there's certain entrepreneurs who go in and they pitch the sharks and none of the sharks bite and they don't get a deal. And they walk out <clears throat> and they always do a follow-up with the entrepreneur. They say, so how was your experience? And a lot of them are very gracious and they say, man, I learned so much. I, I really appreciate being, you know, given the chance to, to pitch all these people. I'm going to take their advice and I'm going to come back and I'm going to crush it. And I'm, and I'm really excited for, from what I learned. And that is the exact way to be if someone says no. Don't get butthurt. Don't get defensive. Learn from it. But don't be the other people we see on Shark Tank who, when they get told no, they walk out, then they get on the camera, and they're like, oh, Mark Cuban doesn't know what he's talking about. And these sharks are, are total morons, and you know they, they're, they're the ones who are going to be sorry for not buying into my business. Well, dude, you're on like national television, and you're basically putting down some of the most successful business people who are willing to listen to you like in front of everyone else. I guarantee you, you're probably making yourself look like an idiot, and you're actually going to lose customers of your own because – they're fans – first off, they're fans of, of the Sharks, and they're in their corner. And two, you're just making yourself look like an ungrateful little baby who's not appreciative of the opportunity that was given, whether you got a yes or a no. So 
always learn from the situation, be gracious of the opportunity, and see how you can maintain the relationship with the people in your network, even if you do get a no or if you don't work with them. It's always better to have that relationship because you never know. As Finn said, it is a small world. You never know when you're going to run into somebody. You never know when you're going to have the opportunity to work with somebody in the future, even if it was a no at first. So do your best to be appropriate, to be gracious, to be thankful, and to learn from the situation so you can always come back stronger. That would be my advice. Cool. Well, we got a couple questions. Before we get to those, I'm just going to sum summarize everything we went, we went over here. If you have a question, now would be a good time to drop it in the comments of this video. Uh, so basically what we gave you is a three-step formula to building your network and making opportunities happen from that. So first step, very simple, go meet people. Second step, build relationships with them over time. And then third, the optional step is pitch them if and when the time is appropriate. So there you go. There are your three steps. This is a thing that will work for anybody, whether you are a natural at this or not, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. It's that simple. Those three steps will work for anybody, I promise. First question, uh, this is a good one for you, Matt. Uh, Cody Travis, this is a very interesting topic for me and applies a lot. Maybe I'm an exception, but one thing that bothers me is when someone does meet me, then they try to relate, but then you realize they're only connecting with you because they want to sell you something. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I think you know, doing what you're doing, which is realizing that, be empathetic with them. Um, and, and understand that and kind of smile and, and realize that although they might be able to try, they, they might be trying to sell you something right now that over time, if you continue to build a relationship with them, they're not always going to be selling you. Okay. So, you know, you don't always, you don't have to say yes to what they're selling you then, but you can say, yeah, you know, but maybe we can talk about it in the future or you can thank them for their pitch or whatever that may be. Um, but in, in my experience, when that happens, I don't just shut that person out or label them to be one of those, you know, those guys who are always selling. Um, I try to be empathetic. If I ever have a chance to appropriately let them know that I'm not interested in being sold, but I would still love to get to know them and, and learn more about what they do, then that's a, a great opportunity. Um, but, but that's what I would say. Just be empathetic, realize what they're doing, but don't let that ruin the relationship for you. Always uh, look for the, the positives there and see if that person can benefit not only you, but potentially other people who may want to be sold to in that way. So hopefully that's some good advice. Got another one from Nick Ryback. Uh, hi, Nick. Should I have business cards made while I'm still in school? Additionally, could we talk salary negotiation for a minute? So those are two very good questions. Uh, I'm going to tackle the first one, which is, should I have business cards made when I'm in school? So there's an underlying assumption here, which uh, is that because you're in school, somehow that would preclude you from making shit happen. Why would, why would the fact that you're in school stop you from pursuing things? So you're saying get business cards made, but like what I'm reading into that is, well, I'm in school. Is it too soon to pull the trigger on stuff? No, it's not. Get business cards made. Why not? Like there's plenty of people that started. How many, how many like tech companies were started by students? Almost all of them. So, and there's no reason that students can't be making shit happen. I, I was working on all kinds of cool shit when I was in college. Lots of people do. So do not let the fact that you're in school or anything else hold you back from getting started on stuff. There's no time like the present. So 
I would say pull the trigger on stuff. And nobody's going to think it's bad that you're a student. Like if, if you're afraid that when you meet people, they're like, oh, well, what do you do? And you say that you're in school, that somehow they're not going to take you seriously. That's not true. Like, in fact, if anything, uh, they'll probably want to help you because – you know, people, people like, people enjoy helping the next generation become successful. So if you're a student, they'll probably be stoked and they'll probably actually be even more willing to help you than they might be if you were older. So don't let that hold you back. The second thing, salary negotiations. So really, this is just about negotiating about money. And uh, Matt and I have actually, we've actually collaborated on this topic before. So what are your thoughts on salary negotiation or in general, like, agreeing on a price for a thing bottom line is it starts with knowing your value knowing what you're offering knowing what your product and service is um and also understanding the competitive marketplace that's out there um you don't want to approach people with something that's astronomical you don't want to undervalue yourself um so what's really important is to Try to ask questions about your position. Try to ask questions about what they're expecting from you. Try to ask questions uh, and do your research about what people in the field that you're that you're going into typically make, so that you're not, you know, just making yourself look like you know nothing about the quote unquote genre that you're that you're headed into. You know, and it's funny. This is this is actually something uh, that we go very very deeply into in the full versions of our DIY marketing courses. We talk a lot about pricing and negotiation, um, how to value yourself and your work. So without getting too far down the rabbit hole, because I think we could do a whole webinar just on this topic alone. Um, and we will. Do, yeah, yeah, we will. Do your research, know your value, ask the right questions, make sure that you are confident about what you're looking for, but also that you can back it up. Don't go in, into a negotiation unable to back up what you're saying. Don't you know? You have to put your money where your mouth is. Is what I would say. Yeah, I would second that. It really, just comes down to knowing your value. And one way you can do that is go. There's a site called Glassdoor.com, which you can go to and will list the salaries for uh, whatever your position is in your area. See if see where you're at in there. So it'll say like you know the the it'll present a range. So the range of salaries for your position in your city is, you know, $50,000 to $70,000 a year. And if you're getting paid $68,000 a year, well, you better have a pretty damn good case for why you should get paid more than the top end of the range. Uh, and maybe you do, but you'll go into it aware of that. On the other hand, if you're making like 40, you'll go, fuck, everyone's like, this is ridiculous. So then you're armed with that information, knowing that you're a strong performer, you can go into your boss and say, you know, here's my case. So uh, Ramit Sethi, who's uh, one of my favorite authors, has a great term, a great uh, framework for this, which is the ARMS method. And I actually use this on my old boss, who's friends with Ramit. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. But it is ARMS is agree, reframe, make the case, shut up. So uh, you, the, the, you, so you asked for a raise of this much money, and the boss says, "Oh gosh, I'd love to do that. You're great, but." You know, our range of salaries for this job is only this much. So you, here's what you do. You agree. You say, I totally understand. It's, it makes a lot of sense to have a, a, a range for average performers. And now you reframe it. However, as I've presented with my accomplishments over the last year, I'm not an average performer. Now comes the make the case part. Therefore, I believe that because I'm 50% better than an average performer, I should get paid 50% more, which is this much. And then the S, this is the hardest part, shut up. Then you just sit there and stare at them. That takes balls. But it does. 
you can practice this in a lot of ways. And I agree with you. But yeah, I mean, I think we, we should dig into this on another webinar. Yeah. And obviously, we'll be getting into this pretty, pretty in depth in our course itself. Uh, here's a good one from Mark Walters. How do you recommend maintaining relationships with people in your network that you don't see on a regular basis? Maybe a former coworker or someone who's experiencing success. How would you say are good ways to keep yourself in their field of view? I really like that last part of your question, how to keep yourself in their field of view. That's a good way to think about it. What do you think, Matt? I, I think this just comes down to common courtesy. I mean, um, if you've built good relationships with people that you previously worked with, um, then it's totally okay to send them a text message and just say, hey, you know, was thinking about you, hope you're doing well, let's hop on a call. I have tons of friends that I don't see very often at all who will shoot me a text and say, hey, I just want to you know, take 10 minutes to hop on a call and catch up. I actually had one of those calls the day of our last webinar. My friend Ben works for, uh, Ben Ricciardi works for a company called Times 10, uh, and they're a digital agency that, that, you know, digital marketing agency. And I, you know, I talked to Ben maybe a couple times a year, um, two or three at best. And, um, and, you know, we both make a point to follow each other on our social media, to comment on pictures and to actually go as far as to FaceTime and say, Hey, like what's going on with you? Here's what's going on with me. We check in with each other. Um, it's, it's mutually beneficial for us both. And we're always looking at, at those, um, conversations from two different directions. One is holy shit. You're my friend. It's great to see you're doing well. I'm so proud of you. And, and, and this particular conversation I had was just like that. But then we're also asking, listen, you know, are there any ways that we can work together? It's always great to work with friends. We know what, what we both can do. If it's not apparent right now, let's continue to just do our things, keep an eye on each other from afar, and we'll touch base in a few months. And that's it. Just keep in touch. I mean, people send Christmas cards. That's one way to do it. Um, they, you know, they send text messages. Um, a lot of people even create like uh, Facebook groups for people that you've worked with. That's another way to do it. There's just so many ways to keep in touch with people. You just have to be proactive. And if it's hard for you to remember everybody, just keep a list. Like I know people that, that, literally have lists of everybody who they've met, whether it's in a job or in any networking um, setting, that they make a list of those people, they write down their name, they write down the last time they saw them, they write down little key factors to, to keep in mind about one another, and then they reach out at, at different times um, and are very proactive in doing that because it's not only about starting the relationship, it's about maintaining it. And you're absolutely right in asking this question because it's, it's very important to do this. So hopefully some of those ideas or tips uh, will be things that you can adopt. Yep. And it doesn't take much. You don't have to be like hitting these people up every week. You know, a couple times a year is enough to, as you said, stay in their field of view for somebody who, you, you know, you don't know super well, where it'd be weird for you to hit them up every week. A couple times a year is more than enough. If you see, like, one of the things I like to do, if I see someone talking about an accomplishment on social media, just, you know, send them a message that says, hey, congrats on the whatever, you know, and people, you know, people appreciate that stuff. It goes a long way. Uh, let's see. Next one from Reese Lynn. What are some of the best ways to discover that next big idea that you think will be good enough to pitch? Well, you know, I, I don't know that I have a good answer for this because, and it's an odd one to me. Like, you, I, well, I, look, see, I see that this is the hardest thing for most people is coming up with ideas. And I, that's a, an interesting one for me because I have a million ideas. The hard part for me is finding the time to execute on them. So I don't know. What do you think? 
maybe I'm taking this this question very literally, but I, I don't think it's about discovering the next big idea and then pitching that. It's about figuring out what you are passionate about working on. I think it's about figuring out what your skills and talents combined can do to help the most amount of people. If you can think about what your skills are, uh, what you love to do, and then apply that to a group of people that you're passionate about and figure out how you can help them, I think that's the best way to discover something new uh, for yourself. Um, there are a lot of people who do a lot of reading. They're, they, you know, their their hands are on the pulse. They're researching new technologies. They're researching, you know, um, new forms of currency, which we see as a big thing right now. Uh, they're researching all sorts of different marketplaces and um, different businesses where there's potential opportunities, and you know, they're they're trying to create value there, but. You know, you got to be really good at a lot of things in order to just find these little spaces and hope that your skill set is going to allow you to be successful there, which is why I don't necessarily recommend doing that. I would recommend looking inward, figure out what you're passionate about, what you're good at, what your skills are, and how you can apply those things to create a product or offer a service that helps as many people as possible. And remember, be, it doesn't need to be much. Like, right. Literally, if you came up with a better toothpick, you could become a billionaire. Like, yeah. you don't need to find a huge idea. You don't need to make the next Google or Facebook to do cool shit that's going to, you know, turn that, that you can turn into a really awesome, fun, creative living. It doesn't have to be a huge idea. So you might be psyching yourself out by raising the bar by expecting yourself to come up with the next Facebook. Yep, Absolutely. So I think, I mean, I think that really tackles some of the big ones. Finn, I don't know if there's any other particular questions that you wanted to dig into, but I think the key to, to all of this is just putting yourself out there, whether you are in a band, uh, whether you are a graphic artist, whether you're a director, get out there and be in the places where your audience is going to be. So again, if you're a band, Go play as many shows as possible and get your music out there to as many people as you can that are the right audience for you. If you are a graphic designer, figure out where all the other graphic designers are hanging out. Figure out where, where businesses are having their weekly get-togethers or their monthly get-togethers um, as far as networking events go and, and get there and, and make yourself you know uh, available and, and make yourself known. You just have to show up in real life and be willing to put yourself out there and communicate what you do. And also, here's a big one. Make sure you listen to what other people are doing. Don't go to these events armed and ready to just tell people everything you can about yourself and talk and talk and talk about Press yourself. Press play on your pitch. Don't do that. Yes. Like, it's so much more important to learn and listen to others before you ever talk about yourself. So... Just keep that in mind. You know, if someone asks you about what you do, great. Tell them a little bit. Don't, again, don't have diarrhea of the mouth and tell them every single thing about every little part of your life and every every little thing that you're doing. You know, try to be as, as tactful as possible and as present in the conversation as possible so you know how far to go with your answers before you ask another question. 
so that you know whether or not the the person is in you know engaged in what you're saying. I mean, we could talk all day about this topic, but thank you guys very much for tuning in. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check it, check the whole thing out live. We're going to keep this um, this video on our page so you can watch the whole thing if you miss some of the information. That's all I got, Finn. Anything else from a, from a closing standpoint? That's it. We'll be doing another webinar like this next week. I don't know what it's going to be about yet, but it's going to be awesome. So keep your eyes open for that one, and hopefully we'll see you then. Cool. Yep. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.